Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Good morning and happy Resurrection Sunday to all of you. Thank you. The message of Easter is a message of hope. Christ is risen indeed. And you just saw Hal Donaldson from Convoy of Hope, one of our global partners with Kingdom Builders, talk about how our one day can transform someone's every day. And the message of Easter truly is a message of hope. And today, what we've decided to do over the last few years is leverage the largest attended Sunday for those who are less fortunate. The Sunday that we will have the greatest amount of people in the room and watching online, the day that we'd have the greatest amount of influence to encourage all of us to give sacrificially so that hope could be extended to someone around the world. As you just saw in the video, Convoy of Hope is one of our global Kingdom Builders partners. For those of you who are new to our church and you're like, what in the world is Kingdom Builders? Kingdom Builders is our funding strategy for global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. And I'll just tell you, we launched it three years ago, and in the past three years, we have given away nearly $900,000 for the glory of God because of the generosity of people in our, in our church. If you want, you can scan the QR code on the seat in front of you and click on the Kingdom Builders tab. There's a booklet there where you can read about all of the projects uh, that we hope to fund this year. And again, just want to say thank you for your generosity for that. We're encouraging everyone today. We've been showing videos the last few weeks. Jeff Anderson was here a couple of weeks ago to really tee up this Sunday. And the challenge is that we would calculate what one day's wage is and that we would give that today in the Kingdom Builders offerings. There are multiple ways that you can give today on the way out each of your exits, including even up in the balcony, which by the way, uh, thank you all for being up there. Some smarty pants texted me and said, hey, I've never had to sit up here before. Your head's awfully shiny from the balcony. So uh, (laughs) thank you, Brandon. I love you too. And uh, anyway, but There are lock boxes at each of the exits today that you can drop your check or cash into. Just mark on there, Kingdom Builders, if you want it to go, or Convoy of Hope, or one day. Any of those nomenclatures will make sure that it gets designated to that. You can also give online at crosspointwaverly.com. You can mail or drop off your check or cash here at our office anytime Monday through Thursday, 8.30 to 5, or you can text the amount to the number on the screen. Thank you for your faithfulness to tithe and for your generosity with Kingdom Builders. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and worship you today, to hear a message of hope and to be part of extending a message of hope. Lord, we thank you for the generosity that you've given to us and today for the opportunity to just return a small portion of that so that children around the world could experience hope not only in this life but in the next. Lord, we pray that you would bless each person who gives today and may this one day to feed the world offering do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine in Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
Well, 13 years ago, excuse me, nine years ago on April 13th, it was Palm Sunday in Waverly, Iowa and arrest in the rest of the world. And I had come to this brand new church startup where I was to preach a message. And if it was decent enough, at the end of that service, a congregation would vote yes or no for me to become their pastor. And I'm happy to tell you that nine years ago, those crazy group, that crazy group of people said yes. And my wife and I are forever grateful. It's so emotional for me to think and to look back on the last nine years of what God has done. To think about the first Easter that we celebrated together and now nine years later to see what God has done. He has truly given life to dreams that were birthed years ago. Pastor Levinsky, I was so emotional during first service and even second service as you sang that song knowing that it's been a dream in your heart to write some original music for our church and to share it with the body. And it was amazing today. But it's just fun to see the process that God has taken you on and that today that that message would be given and shared with the rest of the church is just powerful. And who knows the more that will come from that. And I just feel encouraged to share with some of you today that maybe there's a dream that you've given up on. And today is a day of hope for you. God is a God of hope. The resurrection of Jesus gives all of us hope. And so maybe there are some of you who have invited family members who aren't following followers of Jesus, and they're in the room this morning, and and you're like, God, is there any hope for them to ever experience salvation? And I just want to say to you, let today be a day where your dreams are once again uh, uh, come alive and believe for God to to do that and draw hearts to him today. We're so glad that you're here. We've been praying for this service. We've been praying for you, for those that would come in, and just for the power and the presence of God to move mightily in these services. We've been praying that today that those of you who are hopeless would receive hope, that those who are dead in sin would experience the new life that Christ offers, and that in all things today that Christ would be glorified. We celebrate that Jesus has risen every day. It's not something that we put out of our minds and only think about one Sunday out of the year. Instead, every day of the year, we know and we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. But today is a special day, a special day on the church calendar where globally there's no greater focus than on the fact that Jesus is risen. Jesus' resurrection gives us hope. We live in a world that needs hope. Amen? We live in a world that needs hope. There's a battle for the souls of men and women and children. And many are living as if there's no hope. This morning, I want you to know that no matter how you've come in today, there is hope for you. Whether you're at the highest of highs in life or whether you're in the lowest of lows, there is hope for you because of Jesus. Jesus is our source of hope. And if you'll let Jesus get a hold of your life, he'll change everything for you. Friday, we gathered for a time of prayer and worship and communion. Pastor Dan preached a powerful message and led us in communion where we remembered the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. Today, we remember his sacrifice as well, but we also remember that death didn't have the final word. He is risen. Andy Stanley said, if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'll just go with whatever that man has to say. 
This is the day that we celebrate that Jesus is who he says he was. He is trustworthy, and he is still who he says he is. I want to take us on a journey this morning of some of the moments that led to this day in history and see the implications for our lives. The Bible's divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament, the first four books are called the Gospels. They include Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They record and and tell about Jesus, and and they share that Jesus entered this world as a baby, and we see a few stories about his childhood, but mostly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John focus on when Jesus is an adult and his ministry. And so in the Gospels, we read about the teachings of Jesus. We read about his miracles. We see his compassion that he had for all people and his desire to not leave people in sin, but instead to set them free. We see in the Gospels that Jesus was arrested. He was tried and beaten and hung upon a cross to die. Jesus didn't go through this for fame or glory. He didn't go through what he went through for Instagram likes or for retweets. He did what he did because the love that he had for the Father, his obedience to the Father, and his love for all people. He did it so that humans could experience forgiveness of sin. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 19 this morning. It's also going to appear on the screen. John chapter 19, we're going to look at verse number 28 this morning. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Lord, would we we feel the gravity of our sin this morning and would we also feel the immeasurable power of your grace and your mercy that you extend to each one of us. Lord, today I pray that you would draw hearts to you. Lord, those who have come in pretty on the outside and their Sunday Easter best but who are just dirty and filthy and broken on the inside, Lord, I pray that by the power of of your spirit, that the inside today would begin to match the outside, that the glory of you would shine bright in and through everyone in this room and those watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We sang this song, It's Finished, this morning, and in that song, the lyrics said, and on the cross, he said, it's finished. There are over 300 specific prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament And he fulfilled each and every single one of them. Again, he is who he said he was, and he is who he says he is. Jesus is trustworthy. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, he provided the forgiveness of sin. Because the judgment of sin and the pavement of sin were both complete, Jesus could say, it's finished. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, Paul writes that sin's not something that we should take lightly. Instead, we should feel the gravity of sin. And he says it like this in in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that. There's not just the bad news there, but instead the answer so that we don't have to feel the wrath of the bad news. The answer that on this resurrection Sunday, he is who he says he is. He is risen from the dead and it gives us hope. His sacrifice on the cross paved our way for salvation. The power of sin and Satan is finished and Jesus' death brings life for all who believe. Jesus' death on the cross accomplished something that we couldn't accomplish on our own. We're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul again addresses the stark condition of man in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But Paul then addresses the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. In verse number four, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Easter is a but God moment. The devil thought that Jesus was defeated, but God demonstrated his immeasurable power and raised Jesus from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses and destined for hell, but God in his mercy sent his son Jesus to die on the cross that we could be saved. It says in verse number seven that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Would you humor me for just a moment and just tell me how many children of the 80s do we have in the room today? Would you just lift up your hand? All right, children of the 80s, it's so good to see you. Uh, You're going to really relate to what I'm about to share. So as I read this passage this morning, uh, not this morning, I've read this passage long before this morning in preparation for uh, this message. As I read through this passage in preparation for this message this morning, being born, in the 19, being born in 1980, this was the image that came to mind. My introduction to computers was an old Apple uh, computer. And in grade school, we had this floppy disk that enabled me to die multiple times of typhoid over and over on the Oregon Trail. For those of you who are in the dark, it was this incredibly high-tech video game on a computer that we got to play in grade school. Millions of kids around the U.S. died every day of typhoid playing it. And for those of you who are just way too young to even know what I'm talking about with a floppy disk, I have brought an image for you today. 
That's what those look like. I honestly don't know if I ever used one of the big ones. I may have, but it was 40-something years ago, so I don't remember, but definitely used one of the orange ones, and uh, they were flimsy like this, and, uh, and then the more rigid hard disk that could store even more of the documents that you wanted to store on it. I mean, just what a magical, magical stroll through memory lane right now. I mean, some of you are going to have a hard time coming back and in and focusing because of the great emotions that are evoked from seeing those images today. And we moved from those images to being able to burn things onto a CD, which I won't even begin to talk about the terminology of that. No, it wasn't fire. It just, you know, like what, just somehow it wrote stuff on a CD. And then from a CD to a DVD, and you're like, wow, this stack of CDs can now be consolidated into DVDs. It was magical. And you're like, Do it, have you ever heard of a thumb drive? Yes, I have. As a matter of fact, I did a search, and Amazon told me that for $40, I could have two terabytes of data on a little device in my pocket. Like, it's, it's amazing to see how the data storage has transformed. Some of you are like, why in the world did you just take us on a history lesson of the advancement of storage, external storage for computers. Because decades ago, many people didn't even have an idea or a framework or a clue of what a personal computer would be, much less how something so small could store and transfer so much data. There was no framework for that measurement. And so I began to think about like this, this journey and, and what is the greatest measurement of data. And so I consulted uh, a website that just makes sense, geeksforgeeks.org. And geeksforgeeks.org said that the largest measurement for data is a Yoda byte. For those of you who are Star Wars fans, I bet that just made your day. Listen to what they had to say about the Yoda byte. One Yoda byte contains one septillion bytes, which are exactly the same as one trillion terabytes. It is a very large number that humans can evaluate. There is no practical use of such a large measurement unit because all the data in the world is made of just a few zettabytes. Now you know. Who would have ever thought that terabytes of data would become a reality in a pocket-sized device? And Paul says in verse number seven, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This isn't bite-sized riches of his grace and kindness. It's not kilobyte-sized of his riches of grace and kindness. It's not megabyte or gigabyte or even yodabyte. We are talking about the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness extended towards us because of Christ Jesus. Many of us haven't even scratched the surface of the grace and kindness that Jesus is wanting to extend to us. Now, I pray that today will be the day for some of you who've been held captive in sin that you'll have a but God moment and be set free and experience his grace and his kindness. That for those of you who are currently living as children of wrath will have a but God moment and move to being a child of God. That those of you who are walking in darkness will have a but God moment and move into the light. So we know that Jesus was beaten. He was arrested and hung upon a cross. And on the cross he cried out, it is finished. He breathed his last breath and they lowered him from the cross and they placed him in the tomb. The devil thought that he had won, but the immeasurable power of God was about to be displayed. Mark chapter 16 records what happens next. 
It says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back, and it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. On the third day, well-meaning people did what well-meaning people do. In their disbelief, in their forgetfulness, or their ignorance. Remember, Jesus said that he would be raised on the third day. So either they didn't believe him, they forgot what he said, or they thought that it was impossible. And so they thought that they would help Jesus out. They went to embalm him that day. It says that they went to anoint him with spices. That's, that's what it means when it says that. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? They limited the immeasurable power of God to raise Jesus from the dead. Because they underestimated the power of God, now they're looking for a natural solution to remove a physical barrier between them and Jesus. And on the way, they said, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And when they arrived, I love what verse number four says. It gives us such explicit detail about the stone. It says, it was very large. The very large stone had been rolled back. God took care of it. The angels rolled the stone away. They didn't have to embalm Jesus because he did what he said he was going to do. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that we were all dead in sin. And so we can ask the question, who will roll the stone away? Who will free us from the self-made tombs of sin and unrighteousness? We ask who or what can remove the stone that blocks our access to God. People look to all kinds of natural things and fixes, yet there's no natural thing that can fix it. It's only Jesus. Only Jesus can fix it. He is risen, just as he said. Only God can send his angels to roll back the stone of your sin-sick heart. The women arrived expecting the stone, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been removed. There are some of you who are walking and you're looking down right now. You're looking into the pit of hell for solutions and answers to your problems. Some of you are looking around for equally ineffective solutions. And, and I just believe that some of you are here today to hear this message that it's time to look up. Don't keep looking down. Don't keep looking around. Look up to the one who is risen. The obstacle between them and Jesus had been rolled away. Not by their own power and not by their own strength, but by the purpose of a merciful God. And in the same way, the stone of your sin is rolled away by the power of Jesus in his death and resurrection. Look up. God has rolled away the stone of guilt and shame and past hurt. Look up. He grants access to the living Savior. Look up. The door has been busted wide open and a living Savior awaits your next move. Step in and see that he has risen. Step in and experience his life and experience his forgiveness and his cleansing power. 
The Christ of the cross is the Christ of the empty tomb. He's the Christ of new life and new beginnings. That same Christ is ready to raise you from the death of sin into new life in him. He basically invited them to his Easter morning open house, a house that no longer housed the bruised and beaten dead body, the house of the hope of a resurrected Savior. How many know that we can overcomplicate things in life? Maybe some of you are like, I'm the chief overcomplicator. Well, the Lord has called us to simple things. God's not the author of confusion. The gospel is a simple story, but many don't grasp it because they overcomplicate it. They ask questions like, how could God save and how could God love me? How could a savior die on a cross for a wretch like me? And, and some say it doesn't even make sense because it's just too simple. Can I encourage you this morning to not overcomplicate it? Jesus never said that this life was going to be easy. In fact, he said that it would be hard. But that we could take heart because he's overcome the world. Jesus didn't only go after the best and the brightest, the highest and the mighty, but he went after the least, the last, and the lost. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus fulfilled over 300 specific prophecies from hundreds of years ago. He said it would be crucified, and he was. He said he would die, and he did. He said he would be raised from the dead, and he was. He says he's going to prepare a place for us, and he has. He says he is the soon-returning king, and he is. We have hope this morning. I've had the chance to interact with many people in life who have no hope. They have no hope because they're searching and they're trying to find answers and worldly solutions. Looking down and looking around isn't going to bring you hope. But looking up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is where hope is found. Your circumstances might not change. Your problems might not be solved overnight. But when you have your hope in the King, you'll see beyond all of this. You'll see something greater. Because Jesus said, it's finished. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today. And you're a child of wrath. You've never confessed Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And you say, today, the Spirit of God is tugging at my heart. I no longer want to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. Instead, I want to be a child of God. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and at one time you walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see those hands. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Five, are there others? Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand all across this room. There were at least five hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, 
thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. You could also scan the QR code on the seat, po- the seat in front of you and click on the I Decided link and fill that out. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made and the journey that God wants to take you on. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the worship team's going to lead us in another song. The prayer team's going to be at both sides of the stage. And if you're here today in the balcony or on the main level, and you're like, I just need somebody to pray for me about this area in my life today, I would encourage you, when I'm done praying, to step out of your seat and move forward this morning and receive prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the power and the presence of the mighty spirit of God in this place this morning to draw hearts to you. Lord, thank you for letting us feel the gravity of our sin, but also the the immeasurable uh, grace and love of our Father. So Lord, I pray for those that still haven't made that decision to surrender their lives to you, that today before they walk out these doors, that your spirit would bring conviction upon their hearts and that they would confess you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you that you are who you say that you are and that you do what you say you're going to do. So Lord, I pray for those this morning who've given up on hope and given up on dreams that today hope would be made alive again and dreams would be reignited in the hearts of people today. Lord, we pray that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.